Hello and welcome to Daf Shui Weekly Daf. Give me 45 minutes or so and I'll give you a Daf or so. It's been a while. These Chagim, these holidays have been kind of wrecking havoc with uh, the Daf Shui schedule. But now we're back. First full week, full uninterrupted week in about a month or so. And today, you might hear it in the background, thunder, lightning, rain. Most of it passed already, but that's great, because on Sukkot, we prayed for rain, Geshem, and it happened. Might not be my theology, but it works. <laughs> if it works, it works. We really need the rain. It was beautiful. It was thunder. It was lightning. It was rain. It was really, really weird and creepy sky. It was everything you want from a an all of a sudden rainstorm in October. So we're really... Really excited to keep going. We're back in the middle of sea monsters and leviathans and stuff. But first, a special announcement. Daf Shui, as you know, or maybe you don't know, is a low overhead operation, which happens because we love to do it. However, there are some ongoing costs for recording and podcast hosting and the like, in addition to my time and Ellie's time and talent. So we're going to try something new. Daf Shui now has a Patreon account. And if you feel so moved, you can put a few bucks in the hat. There will be a link to the Patreon account on the podcast site. Remember, we are not one of those corporate Duff Shui outfits. We're just a mom and pop shop from the heartland of Los Angeles. Thank you so much. We love the fact that you are here. So we are in the middle. It seems like we're always in the middle. But we are once again in the middle. We are starting the last line of 74B. And then moving into 75A. Now we're moving into a place of uh, where we started, well, these many moons ago with the Rabbi Barbarachana stories, the Rabbi Sinbad the Sailor stories of uh, sea monsters and 300 parasang waves and all this stuff. And now we're into the Rabbi Yochanan part of it, which is kind of based on verses in the book of Job, which are referring to the Leviathan, and the rabbis used that to talk about Leviathan, which is this sea monster, which was created apparently in the first six days of creation. We just read the uh, Parashat Breshit, the portion of creation, and uh, the rabbis seemed drawn to it. So once we get through this week's daf, we get to the end of the daf, we're back to buying stuff. So um, we'll have maybe a little bit to talk about at the end, or not. We'll see how it goes. Kiata Ravdimi Amar Yochanan, when Ravdimi came from the land of Israel, he transmitted a tradition in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, and that's kind of all these, the next two. And the tradition was Atid Gavriel Asot Kanogia Im Livyatan. So Gavriel, who is a, an angel, the angel Gabriel, is going to hunt. Rosh Bam tells us he's going to hunt with an arrow and a spear, he's going to hunt Leviathan. Which is a verse from Job 40, verse 25. It says, Which literally means you will drag Leviathan. Chaka is either a fishing hook or a, a small boat. Um, and with a rope, Tashkia Lishono, you will tie up his or sink his 
his tongue. And uh, if the Holy One of Blessing did not help Gabriel, he would not be able to defeat Leviathan because it says in Job 40, 19, the same chapter, a few verses earlier, the one who made him, Yagesh Harbo, will put forward his sword. So the one who made him God is going to help Gabriel. Now, uh, that's the second half of the verse. So we had this, this Midrash is based on the first half of verse 25, Timshoch Livyatan Bechaka. You will drag Leviathan with a fishing hook. And the second half of the other verse, Ha'oso Yagesh Harbo, the one who made him, will bring forward or produce his sword. So God will help Gabriel. In context, Ha'oso Yagesh Harbo is probably referring not to Gabriel, but to Leviathan himself. Okay, Kiyat Rabdimi Yom Rabbi Yochanan. When Rabdimi came from the land of Israel to Babel, he brought a tradition in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. Bishash Leviathan Ra'ev Poteach Piv Motzi Hevelmi Piv Umartiach Kol Meimot Shebemetsula. When Leviathan is hungry, he opens his mouth, he exhales mist from his mouth, the air from his mouth. And that air, which apparently is not very good smelling, boils all the waters in the ocean. Shinamar, as it says in Job, again, next chapter, 41, verse 23, He will boil like a as a kettle the oceans or the depths and we will make the ocean or the water into a salve the ilmalay ain rosho machnis le gan eden if he does not put he if he had not put his head into gan eden into the garden of eden ain kol briya cholala mod bifneru no person could stand in front of his breath shinamar yasim yam yasim kimerkacha cuz as it says he will make the the ocean, like a merkacha, merkacha is kind of a putash, like a a salve or a mixed thing in modern Hebrew. A pharmacy is a beit merkachat, um, but here it means what he's saying is that the he, he, it's because of his breath, because of the evilness of his breath, that he makes the that he does this to the waters. But if he puts his head into Gan Eden, it's kind of like having a breath mint for Leviathan. And when he is thirsty, he makes uh, rows and rows in the ocean. He like by drinking the ocean, he just makes it. It ends up with with uh, rows in the ocean. Because it says, and after him, he will enlighten a pathway. So. When Leviathan is thirsty and he drinks, he drinks so much that it's as if there's a pathway through the ocean. Amar Rabbi Achabar Yaakov said, Ein tahom chozer le'etano ele lachar shiv'im shana. The tahom, right, the depths, the depths of the water does not go back to its original power after Leviathan messes with it until 70 years, for 70 years. Shnemar yachshov tahom l'seva, because the end of that verse of Acharav Yair Nativ is Yachshov to homeless Seva, and uh, so the the depths will be thought as 
aged, and seva is obviously 70 years old. So 70 years, it takes 70 years for the ocean to return. It's kind of like when you have a stick and you drag it along the side of the ocean. So the ocean comes and then you can see for like a second that there was a place there that you moved aside. There's a ditch, there's a scratch. There's And so the same thing with Leviathan, except uh, for Leviathan, it takes 70 years to go back. All right. Amar Rabbi Barbarachana, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Barbarachana said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, Another, remember, we're still dealing with Rabbi Yochanan's Torah. God is going to make, the Holy One of Blessing is going to make a feast for the righteous from the flesh of Leviathan. Because it says, Now, Yechru is a word which is really hard. It's not clear what it means. It means sometimes to dig deep, but here, because of its association with other words, as we'll see in a minute, it means to feast, right? In kira elasuda, there kira always means feast, as it says in two kings, lahem kera and he served them a great feast. And when it says chabarim, it refers to chabarim, which means partners, associates. It obviously refers to tamidei chachamim, to sages, because it says in Song of Songs, Hayoshevet baganim chavirim makshivim lekolech. One, the one who sits in the gardens and friends uh, listen to her voice. So those friends are obviously tamidei chachamim. Vahasha'ar mechatzitzin oto vosin bos chora b'sharei Yerushalayim. And the rest of the Leviathan, which is not made into a feast was divided up and is sold in the marketplace in the gates of Jerusalem because it says uh, and it will be divided up amongst the Kna'anim, which is the end of that verse Yechru alav chabarim they will make a feast for the chabarim and then Yechatsu ben Kna'anim is the Midrash is reading it as serially, as a narrative. So Yechatsu ben Knanim, the rest of it, he will divide up amongst the Knanim. And what does that mean? In Knanim, Ele Tagarim, and Knanim are traders or peddlers. Shinamar Knan Biado Mozne Mirma. Knan has false weights in his hand. Um, so this is interesting because when read Midrashically as traders, Right in in the original verse, Knan biado Moznei is talking about Israelite apostates who are personified here as Canaan. But when it's read midrashically, we know they're traitors because they have false weights. So then, this is a negative take on business people that they're just trying to trick you. Okay. And perhaps, actually, we can know that they are business folks from this verse. For their traders are princes, and their other traders are the respected ones of the land. Okay. So that is what happens with all of Leviathan, a feast and a market possibility. Also said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. So in the future, 
in kind of the end of days, uh, the Holy One of Blessing is going to make a sukkah from the skin of Leviathan. Because it says, bisukot oro, And his flesh filled up with sukkot. And sukkot actually means, in context, it means like darts. But uh, here it's, used, it's, it's understood as sukkot in like a sukkah. Right? So, and then we read it, it's Malebis Sukkot Oro, and many Sukkot will be made out of its flesh. And this is kind of at the end of Sukkot, when we leave the Sukkah, the, the prayer that we say is that next year we will all be sitting together in the Sukkah, which is made out of the skin of the Leviathan. So, Zachah Osin Lo Sukkah. So now it's not clear here. When I first read the Zachah, if he merits, I was thinking that it must be the a person is Zachah, but it could actually also refer to Leviathan, which is actually more interesting. That if Leviathan merited, he is made into a he makes of him a sukkah lo and if he does not merit, he makes him he makes him uh, a tzlatzal, which is a kind of uh, a um dagim rosho a a hook like a fish hook. Zacha osin lo sukkah, lo zacha osin lo tzlatzal, shnamar betzilzal dagim rosho. If he merits, he will become a sukkah. If not, he will become a shade above their heads, as it says, betzilzal dagim rosho, and with a shade of fish above their heads. Now, tzilzal means something like hooks, but it's understood from the word that it's the word sail is in there, sail shade, so the doubling of shade there. And if he's good, then we make him into this shade. But if he does not merit, he'll just he may, will be made into a piece of jewelry. And it will be jewelry for your throat. That's from Proverbs. If he merits, you make him into a a piece of jewelry. If not, you just make him into a kamea, kind of a an amulet. Will you play with him like a bird and tie him to your daughters? Now, the great thing of bringing proof text from Eov, as this one is, is that it's not really clear ever what Job means. And the rest God will lay out over the walls of Jerusalem. And the rays will will glint or will reflect from one end of the world to the other. And as it says in, in Isaiah 60, nations will go to, will, will walk by your light and kingdoms by the illumination of your shining light. So that's one way of reading this, that each one of these are levels on which Leviathan either merits or doesn't merit. Or the other way is that those who are at the top of the scale of merit, will get to sit in the sukkah. Those who are next will get to sit in the shade. Those who are next will get a jewel or around their, for their necks. Those who are next and lo- lower in the scale of righteousness will just get an amulet. And the rest don't get anything. They will just see the light which comes from the skin of Leviathan as it is spread over the walls of Jerusalem. Okay. We're moving on to Isaiah 54. 
And I will make your... Now, cut code is... We're going into a, a section here which is even more ambiguous because it's talking about... It's names for precious stones, and they're all explained. They're all translated in various different translations, and the dictionaries translate them. But the dictionaries really uh, also say, you know, we don't really know. Because uh, there's no... There's often no other textual, contextual hints for what these things are. So, samti kod kod, kod kod, some people think it might be a ruby, but also it uh, might just be, so the Brown Driver Briggs, the dictionary uh, the, of the Bible, it might be a ruby, but also might just be a, a jewel, right? And I will make your sons, sons, S-U-N-S, like a jewel, u-sha'arayich l'avnei ektach. And your gates like the uh, stone, like like beautiful stones, like precious stones. So this you don't get this every day. Uh, says two angels in heaven were disputing. And who were they? Gabriel and Michael. Right? Remember Gabriel we saw before, and Michael. They were having they just had an argument about this. What this exactly means? And there are those who say it wasn't actually two angels, but two sages in the land of Israel, Yehuda and Yecheskia, the sons of Rabbi Chia. Chad Amar di Shoham, Chad Amar di Yashra. One of them understood kod kod as meaning onyx, and one of them understood kod kod as meaning Yashra, which is jasper or an opal. But as I said before, we don't really know because that's all it says. Amar These are we find these also in the breastplate of the high priest. Um, these are the stone. There are stones that are listed there, and we don't really know what they are. Though there's a lot of religious sci-fi about finding the right stones, and once they find the right stones, things happen. But here we're in a different kind of religious sci-fi. Amar so God said to Gabriel and Michael, or to Yehuda and Chizkiah, like both of you. So this is a midrash on the word kod kod. Some key kod kod doesn't mean a precious stone, but it means kedain u kedain. I have placed it like both of you, like either an onyx or a jasper. Umay v'sharech l'avnei egdach. And what does it mean that I will place your, your gates will be like this, like these precious stones? And this is just like uh, when Rabbi Yochanan sat to Kadarish and he taught. God will in the future bring jewels and precious stones, which are 30 by 30 amot, and he will carve out of them a gate which is 10 amot wide and 20 amot high. Shnemar. Because it says, and your gates will be out of precious stones. So there's one student there who laughed at him. Now you don't even have stones that are like the, the egg of a small bird. You think you're going to have uh, jewels that are that are 30 by 30 amot? Liamim. After a while, if in a few days afterwards, or a while afterwards, if this student was on a boat that that set sail. 
אז אל אשכח מלאכי דהבי מנסרי אבנים טובות מרגילות. And he went and found angels that were uh, carving jewels and uh, precious stones. אמר לו, הני למאי, and he said to him, what are these for? אמר לו, שעתיד הקדוש ברוך הוא לעמידן בשערי ירושלים, because in the future the Holy One of Blessing is going to stand them up in the gates of Jerusalem. כי הדר... When he came back, when the student came back, he found Rabbi Yochanan, who was uh, teaching. He said to him, My teacher, you should teach, and you teach well. You preach well. As you said, so I saw. In other words, you're not just saying things. I can attest to what you say. Amar lo reka. He said to him, empty one. Basically, another nice, another way of saying, idiot. If you had not seen it, you would not have believed it. You are one who makes fun of the words of sages. He looked at him and he, and he made him into a heap of bones. Don't mess with the rabbis. Okay. Meitve. So that's interesting, right? The hermeneutic question, the question of interpretation is, did Rabbi Yochanan create by his interpretation, by his midrash, did he create those angels who carved the stones? And then since he created it, his student was should have believed him? Or did he understand through interpreting the verses that this was what was going on? And then his student should have believed that. And then his student saw it. Or something else. Okay. It's an interesting question of, is it an epistemological or an ontological construction? All right. Meitvei ve'olech etchem commute. So this is kind of a challenge because it says in Leviticus 26.5, I am God, your God, who brought you out from the land of the Egyptians to be their slaves no more, who broke the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. And now that last part, made you walk erect, is Vaolech etchem komimiyut. Rabbi Meir on that says, Rabbi Meir Omer, Matayim ama kishtei komot shel adam rishon. I will make you so that you will walk, that you will be 200 amot, like uh, twice as high as the first Adam, who's Apparently, a hundred amot high. And that's why it says, Volech etchem komimiyut, because komimiyut could also be read as two komot. It's the, it's, it looks like a noun that is doubled. So Rumer says that you are two komot, twice the height of the first Adam. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Keneged Hechal Uktalav. Rabbi Yehuda says that this is, means that you will be as tall as the the uh, sanctuary and its walls. Our children are like uh, grown plants, grown grown trees, uh, that are grown in their youth. And our daughters are like cornerstones that are carved in the manner of the sanctuary. Right, so therefore, that's what it means. I will, I will stand you erect, meaning like the sanctuary and its walls. So then the question is, if that's true, if people are so tall, as Rumeir says, so what does it help that the gates of Jerusalem are only 30 amot tall if people are 200 amot tall? 
So Rabbi Yochanan answers this by saying that actually those are windows. We're talking about windows there. So the windows are 30 mo tall and the gates are taller. More Torah from Rabbi Yochanan. God will in the future make seven canopies, bridal canopies, for every righteous person in the Garden of Eden. Because it says, and God will create on every foundation, Mount Zion, and all of its surrounding areas, a cloud during the day, and smoke, and fire, and flames at night, on all of them. Now, kol kavod chupa means literally, actually means covering on all of the glory, but it's being read as chupa, the canopy, the bridal canopy. My al kol kavod chupa. What does it mean, al kol kavod chupa? Means that every righteous person will have a canopy according to his honor, according to this, the, the, how, how honorable a person. He or he is. Uh, it says, I'll call kavod chupa. And doesn't mean covering, but each canopy will be different according to each tzaddik. So then it goes, you know, how do we know that there are seven? Because it says Anan, which is one. Ashan, which is two. Noga, which is three. Eish, which is four. Lehava, which is five. And apparently they count Yomam, which is six, and Laila, which is seven. So now they're asking, Ashan Lamali, why do we need smoke in a bridal canopy? Not the thing that you really want. Anybody who has whose eyes are narrow, meaning they are jealous or resentful of sages in this world, he will have smoke in his eyes in the next world, and then what happens when you have smoke in your eyes? Your eyes close and they're narrowed. Why is there fire in the bridal canopy? This is kind of interesting. This is, I think, actually a very truthful, powerful insight into the lives of sages who lived in a Beit Midrash, which was based on honor and based on intellect, right? So why do we have fire in the bridal canopy? Everybody is burned by the bridal canopy of their fellow. Woe is to that. Woe is to that humiliation. Woe is to that shame. Similarly, and here it goes. Similarly, you say, here in Numbers 27.2, when it's talking about Moses giving over, handing the baton to Joshua, and he gave from his glory to him, it says, God says, give from your glory to him, but of your glory, and not all of your glory. The elders of that generation said that the Moses' face was like the face of the sun, and Joshua's face was like the face of the moon. Woe is to that shame, woe is to that humiliation. 
But think about that for a minute. In other words, it's saying Moses, the relationship between Moses and Joshua is Joshua was jealous of Moshe, right? I mean, there's a certain level, there's a certain point at which you know you're not going to be something, right? I, you know, I, I don't look at Simone Biles and think that I'm jealous of what she does. She's just a whole different level of person than I am in that field. But here they're actually looking at this and saying that Moshe and Yeshua, their relationship is one of jealousy, which probably describes the relationship of a lot of the sages to each other in that in that society. Ten. God made ten canopies for the first Adam in the Garden of Eden. Gan Elohim Hayita Kol Even Yikara Misuchatcha Odem Pitadavi Alom Tarshish Shoam Yashves Apir Nofech Uvarkat Vizahav Melechet Tupecha Unikavecha Bach Biyom Hibaracha Konanu. You were in Eden, the Garden of God. Every precious stone was your adornment, carnelian, chrysolite, and amethyst, beryl, lapis lazuli, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald, and gold beautifully wrought for you, mined for you, prepared the day you were created. Uh, I read the English translation from the Jewish Publication Society, the New Jewish Publication Society translation, because all these words, all these precious stone words... Right, that's what they are, and then the end. The uh, one of the great characteristics of the JPS is that they're pretty transparent, and says that last part of the verse, which is the part actually they're going to do a midrash on in a minute. It's of course there's a footnote which says meaning of Hebrew uncertain, which is why it is open to be read midrashically. But that's the ten. So ten chupot, that is. Carnelian, chrysolite, amethyst, beryl, lapis lazuli, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald, and gold. There you got your ten, and that's why there are ten chupot that God made. There are actually eleven because you have to count every precious stone. And Rabbi Yochanan says that gold is the worst of these. In other words, all these are better, more precious than gold because it is counted, it is listed last. Last thing that's listed is gold. This week's podcast is brought to you by Shazam for Idolatry. Do you ever walk down the street and see people doing stuff that's got to be idolatry? Have you ever been in one of those conversations where your best friend's new friend is mouthing off about stuff that is so off the wall it's got to be idolatry? But you don't know how to find out? Well, now there's an app for that. Shazam for idolatry. It's just like Shazam, but for idolatry. Pointed at the offending person, the action which is an abomination, the political ideology. And the app scans it and tells you on the spot whether it's idolatry or you should just chill out. And if you mention Daf Shui, you get the app free for a month. Just go to www.shazamforidolatry.com slash You won't regret it. Avoid eternal damnation. Then the, the Gemara asks, My melecha tupecha unikavecha bach? What does it mean, this last phrase, which whose meaning is uncertain and is translated here as beautifully wrought for you? But the word tupecha could also mean tof, which could also mean like a, a barrel. Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Amar Rabbi Yehuda said in the name of Rabbi, Amar Lo HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Lechiram Melech Tzor, V'kanasti Mita Al Adam HaRishon. Rabbi Yehuda said in the name of Rab, God said to Hiram Melech Hiram, I looked at you and I 
made, I, I find literally, kanasti mita, and I ordained death for the first Adam. And there's a tradition that developed that Hiram was, lived a very long life. He lived into the time of King Solomon, according to Midrash, and perhaps into the time of Ezekiel. Ezekiel talks about somebody who's identified with Hiram and a, with Hiram, and a, and a tradition also developed that he was arrogant. So God said, no, you know what? You're not going to live forever. So what does that have to do with Melechet Tupechon Kavechabach? That you are actually an empty barrel, according to the Rashbam, and that you have holes and therefore you will die eventually. My Va'al Mikra Eha, what does it mean? What does this other word mean? Al Mikra what does it mean? And around the, the cities around Jerusalem, this is going back to the verse that we said, that we looked at previously in Isaiah 4 that the seven wedding canopies were based on this verse that it says, on all these, the, the uh, foundations of Mount Zion and it's probably suburbs, something like that, those, those the settlements around it. But here the Midrash is asking, what does it mean, Yerushalayim of this world is not like Yerushalayim of the world to come. This Jerusalem, this worldly Jerusalem, anybody who wants to go up to Jerusalem can. But the Jerusalem of the world to come, only those who are invited to it can come to it. That's why it's Mikra Eha, those who are called, read and understood as those who are called to it. Bama Rabba Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Rabba said a name Rabbi Yochanan. This is all Rabbi Yochanan's Torah, which is interesting, right? It's all ascribed to Palestinian Torah. Atidin Sadikim Shinikraim al Shmoshel Kadosh Baruchu. In the future, the righteous will be called by the name, will be named as the Holy One of Blessings. Shnemar Kolanikra Bishmiv Lichvodi Birativ Yitzertiv. Af Asitiv in Isaiah 43. All who call in my name, right? in other words, there it's saying that people who call in the name of God, who worship God. So that's what it means in context. All who call in my name and for my honor, I have created them, I have formed them, and even made them. But we're now turning that around and saying, These are the righteous who are called by the name of God. Bishmi, all those who are called by my name, not who call in my name. So Shmuel Bar Nachmani also has a tradition of Rabbi Yochanan. Gimel Nikru al Shmoshel Kadosh Baruch Hu. Three things were called by the name of God. The righteous Messiah and Jerusalem. Tzadikim Hadamran, the righteous, what as we just said, Mashiach. Messiah, as it says, This is his name, that they will call God our righteous one. And so that's Mashiach, who's also called by the name of God. Yerushalayim and Jerusalem. And right, so it says, around it are 18,000. And the name of the city from the time of God and in context, it means, and the name of the city from the time of God was Shama. I'll take Re Shama, but don't read it as Shama, Ela Shma. From that day, Beshemaeir Miyom, as soon as now we're reading it, and the name of the city from that day, Miyom, Adonai Shma, that its name is God. Amar Rebelazer, Rebelazer says, Atidin Sadikim Shomrim Lifnehim Kadosh Kiderach Shomrim Lifnehim Kadosh Baruch Hu. In the future, 
the righteous people will say before the righteous, holy, as they say before God, Shnemar, as it says, all those who are left in Jerusalem and in Zion and who are left in Jerusalem, holy will be said to him. So those are the righteous. Rabbah again bringing a Torah from Rabbi Yochanan. God will in the future raise Jerusalem three parsaot high off the ground. And as it says, and it will be raised and they will sit underneath it. So that Jerusalem will be raised off the ground, as it were, and the settlement will be under it. What does it mean underneath it? As if underneath it. And how do we know that this underneath it is three parsao, three parasangs? Amar Rabba said, Amar lehau saba ledidi chazili Yerushalayim kamaita v'tlata parse havi. I saw the future Jerusalem and it was as if three, and it was three parasangs. V'shema tomar yesh saralalo. And if you say it's a pain, it, it, it hurts to go out. How can you go up that, that much? In other words, you have to walk, it's enough to walk up to Jerusalem where it is now. It's on the top of the hill. And then if you raise it higher... Tamud Lomar mi ele ka'av tu ufena bechayonim el arubotem. So therefore, the verse teaches us who are like these, like a cloud will that will fly and doves to their nests. So in other words, it won't be hard; it will be easy flying like a cloud. Amarav Papa Shmamina Hayiba Tlata Parse Midle. So Rav Papa said, we learned from there that this cloud will pick people up from three parsaot. Amar Rabbi Chanina Bar Papa, Rabbi Chanina Bar Papa said, God wanted to give Jerusalem in measure, meaning in very specific boundaries. Shnemar va'omar ana atahulech va'yomra elai lamod et Jerusalem lavo kama rachba v'kama orka. It says in Zechariah, there's a very strange verse there. Zechariah comes upon a person who's standing there with a measuring rod, a measuring implement, and he says to him, where are you going? And the, the angel says back to Zechariah to measure Jerusalem to see how wide it is and how long it is. So the angels said to God then, Master of the Universe, you created many cities in your world for the nations of the world. And you never set out definitively their boundaries. Jerusalem, which your name is in it, and your temple is in it, and your righteous are in it, you, will you give it a measurement? In other words, will you make it a definite space and no bigger, or not having permeable boundaries? Miad so immediately, actually two verses later, there's an important verse in between, it says, uh, and he said to him, run, speak to this young person, saying Jerusalem will be settled in its outer cities because of the fact that there will be so many 
people and animals in it. And in between there, there's actually, in context, there's actually, there are two angels. And then one comes, and then the other comes. But here, this, in between these two angels, here it's as if it's one angel, and in between there's this back and forth with the angels up above. So that Jerusalem doesn't have solid boundaries, kind of like, you know, the modern state of Israel. Amar Eish Lakish. Eish Lakish said, Atir HaKadosh Baruch Hu Sif Al Yerushalayim Elef Tafaf Ginoot Elef Kefel Migdalim Elef Litzvei Beraniot Elef Ushnei Shilo Tut Peraot V'chol Achat V'achat Havi Kitsipori B'Shavata So in the future, God will add on to Jerusalem. Now there's, this is a weird kind of statement here because it's, some of these words are just, are not actual words. They are gematriot. Um, at least that's the way that the Rishonim understand it, that they are just numerology, numerological words, and they're not actual words. So God will add on to Jerusalem a thousand gardens, a thousand towers, a thousand settlements, and a thousand other kind of settlements, tutparaot, and each one will be like Tzipori in peace. Tzipori in its Bishalvata, as it, as it sat in peace. So it's going to be really big. It's really, really big. Tanya Maraviosi, Anira Iti Tsipori Bishabata. I saw Tsipori when it was at peace. Vayuba Meash Monim Elef Shvakim Shamochretzike Kedira. And there were a hundred and eighty thousand markets in which they sold types of of of, of baked goods. Batslaot Sela El Tsela Shalosh Ushloshim Pamim. And the sides were one next to the other 33 times. My shalosh shloshim pamim. What does it mean 33 times? I'm a Rebbe I'm a Rebbe Papi. Mishum Rebbe Yoshua de Sachni. Rebbe said in the name of Rebbe Papi, in the name of Rebbe Yoshua of Sachni. Again, this is Palestinian Torah. Im gimme Yerushalayim, if there are three Jerusalems. Kol achat v'achat yesh ba shloshim midorim l'mala. Each one of them has three levels above. Im shloshim Yerushalayim, and if there are 30 Jerusalems, each one of them has three three levels above. So if there are three, so then each one has 30 levels above. If there are 30, each one of them has three levels above. Meaning Jerusalem is not just going to be one, but it's this hyperbolic image of Jerusalem as spreading all over the place. It's going to be the image of Jerusalem as, as, as being so overflowing with people that it will be so large. It's Mark. Okay, so that's where we're finishing. That's where we're stopping. And now we are going to go back to our Mishnah, which, if you remember, has to do with buying a ship. And that's how we got off on this whole thing in the first place. What is going on here? In other words, why in the middle of this very serious, grave, sober conversation about buying and selling stuff? What is included with the ship when you buy it? What is included before that with the house or with the field when you buy it? Then all of a sudden, bam, so this isn't the first time also that we ran into Job. Job, we had a whole excursus on Job at the end of the first chapter. And so what is going on here with this moving back and forth? And these, these are the same folks who are doing both this and that. So one explanation is just they were bored, right? What are we going to do now? So much boats, so many details, so many minutiae. You know what? Bam! Sea monsters, waves, Leviathan, end of time, apocalypse. This is what Jerusalem is going to look like. Blah, blah, blah. That's not a bad explanation, right? In other words, they're sitting in the Beit Midrash. If you look in Job, Job itself is pretty wild. So so all of a sudden they say, you know what? 
And this is part of the understanding as the Jerusalem Talmud is mainly Talmud. In other words, it's halachic discussions about the Mishnah that they're commenting on. The Bavli is just whatever it wants, right? Everything is put into the Bavli. That's why there aren't as many Babylonian Midrashim as there are Palestinian Midrashim. In the Tractate Megillah, they have a whole Midrash on the Book of Esther in the first chapter. Because you put it all into the Bavli. It all, everything, turn it over and turn it over because everything is, is in it. Everything is in the Bavli. So therefore also, you know what? Sometimes what you have to do is stop your legal mind and start your fantastical mind. That's what they seem to be saying. And now we did that. And it's also interesting, though, that your fantastical mind is triggered by the legal, right? Ship, what's included with a ship? But what does a ship do? Goes out on the sea. The sea is kind of a mysterious place. What's kind of mysterious about it? Well, there all could be all these monsters and all these massive waves. And then we go on and on. And then desert, kind of like sea, except, you know, no water. But in the desert, there's Sinai and there's folks who... who who died from the Maraglim, the spies, and on and on. And then what about the end of time, right? So there's kind of a narrative, right, that leads from the beginning, the monsters in the water, right, in the beginning of Rashid, going to the end time, to the Leviathan, who will be made into a sukkah for the righteous at the end of time. There is some kind of narrative that one could, narrative arc that one could put it into. Or it could just be, oh my God, what do we do with these Job verses? Why now? Who knows? <laughs> so uh, there's probably a sense that it's always very hard to figure out from cross-culturally whether somebody's telling a joke or being serious. But the depth of the absurdity here is serious. And they're saying this is serious play. And now we go back to looking at the Mishnah. Itmar says Svina. The Mishnah says, Sfina, right? That's the name of our chapter. Mocherat Sfina. Rav Amar, Kevan Shemashach Koshu Kana. Rav says, what does it mean? What does it mean that Mocherat Sfina? What does it mean to acquire? Mocher is to sell, but what does it mean to acquire a boat? Kevan Shemashach Koshu. If he pulls it at all, he bought it, right? So if it's a, if the idea is thinking about a boat in the water. And he pulls it along the water. So then he buys Mishicha pulling is one of the ways in which one can buy objects. Shmuel says you have to pull it the whole length of the boat, right? So that the end of the boat ends up where the front of the boat used to be. That's Mishicha. That's pulling it in order to buy it. Let us say that this is like a Tanaitic argument, which we know about. And that's in this in the following bright on the following Tanaitic text. Ketzadbim Sira, what does it mean to buy something by giving it over? Misira by passing it from one person to another. Achzabitalpa Bisara Bukafshala Bishlifshala Biprumbia Shebefia Bizug Shibit Savara Kina. If the buyer grabs onto the hoof, the hair, the saddle which is on it, on the animal, the belt which is on it, the bit in its mouth, the bell around its neck. If the, the buyer grabs onto any of these, then the buyer bought the animal. Ketzad bim shicha, but what does it mean to acquire by pulling? Kore la vehiba, if you call an animal and the animal comes, oshi kisha makel vrat or you hit the animal with a stick and it runs. 
כיוון שהקרא יד ורגל קנאה, when the animal lifts up both its front and back hooves, you've bought the animal. רבי אחי ואמרי לה רב אחא אומר עד שתהלך מלוא קומתה. רבי אחי says, and some people say it's רב אחא who says, that it, it's not bought until the animal walks the whole, its whole length. So you see there is a resonance there of the former argument, and that's what it says, Lema Rav, Damar Kitanakama, Shmuel, Damar Krabi Acha. So let's say the Rav agrees with the Tanakama, Tanakama who says that you just have to call it or hit it, and it runs, and um, when the front legs and the back legs go up, then you acquire it. Shmuel, Damar Krabi Acha, and Shmuel says, Shmuel agrees with Rabbi Acha, who says that it has to walk its own approximate length, right? And that's like the Shmuel said that the boat has to go has to be pulled its length. So that sounds like that's the same thing. So Rabba could say to you, no, I also agree with Rabbi, I could also agree with Rabbi Acha. Because until now, Rabbi Acha is only talking about animals. Because an animal could lift up its front and back legs and still, and not go anyplace. But a boat, if you push it a little bit, the whole boat moves, so it goes someplace, right? So therefore, Rabbi Acha, it wants to assure that the animal moves and not just that it stands in its place and picks up its feet. Ushmuel Amar, and Shmuel says, Ana da'amri afilu kitanakama. Shmuel says, I can even agree with the Tanakama who said that you have, you know, these things of calling it or hitting it and it running as soon as it picks up its, its, its foot, its back and front hooves. I could even, Shmuel said, I could even agree with that. The Tanakama is only talking about animals. Since the, the back and front hoofs are picked up, so it's going to, it, is, it means that it is moved, it is picked up. But if a boat, it has to be, if it's not pulled its whole length, it won't be pulled its whole length. It won't be moved that far. So in other words, once an animal starts going, it's going to keep going. Once an animal picks up its legs, even though it's true, according to Rob, that it could stay in the same place, but it is now potentially or even standing ready to move further than that. So that's why in an animal that works. But in a ship, you have to actually move it or else it's not going anyplace. And here we come to the end of our daf this week. This was some daf. This was some daf. We're back now in the legal discussion, going through the Leviathan. We got to the end. Hopefully next year we'll do this in the sukkah made out of the skin of the Leviathan, whatever that means. Thank you for being here. Thank you. My name is Arye Cohen. You can follow me on Twitter at irmiklat, I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T. As always, I want to thank my wonderful producer, Ellie Unger Sargon, check out his podcast, uh, please, Four Cubits with Jeff Helmreich. I want to thank my Chavruta, of course, Charlotte Fun Robert, and the beautiful comms team, the amazing comms team, the talented comms team, Shachar Cohen Hodos, who made the beautiful logo for Daf Shui. You can reach me at the widow and the brothers at gmail.com. Thanks for spending this time with me. Come back again, bring a friend, join us in the Beit Midrash in the closet. Be well, stay healthy, stay safe.